How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. We are talking tonight about anger. Anger. Anger, one of the most common and yet vital human emotions. There is nothing wrong with anger. It's what you do with it that's going to get you in trouble or not. You know, the first step that... I think we have to do to manage anger is just to recognize it. Recognize. That's, recognize the, that's the first letter of respect. Rage. That's right. Recognize rage. And I want you to think about this as an audience. Think about for a moment the different words that you have for rage and anger. Right? And, and what you would do is you would come up with a list of maybe 10 words. Irritated. Ir- annoyed. Uh, annoyed. Frustrated. Exactly. Postal. Postal. Uh, can now, we where did that come from? Well, don't you know, going postal, I mean, it's it's it's. But it was only di- like a few episodes of, I mean, back in the 80s, two postmen went back to work, and then it became a international word Yeah, it's, for anger. It's true. I, but, 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 going postal. It certainly put its stamp on anger, though. <laughs> Sorry. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's a male joke. All right, so oh, we actually man, have a, that we have is a, just, they just, hits just keep coming. We have a caller. This is Dr. Perna. Hooray! Yeah. It's Dr. Perna <laughs> calling for the Dr. Joe show. Got we have it. a new guy in the booth, Dr. Perna. Don't worry about He's it. He's an intern. He's in, okay. We're now, uh, and, okay, and well, there we are, you go. I think you were talking to somebody else, so I was listening in to the rest of it. I no, just thinking no. you were... Talking to somebody else. Go it ahead. is you. And the guy in the booth actually is a great guy. He's he's our, our sports guy for WATD. So, Dr. Perner, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. It it's great. great to be here. It is great having you here. And and I, I I am so delighted that you're here because you have been working on anger management, not your own, but on anger management for how, how many years now, Dr. Perner? Uh, more than I'd like to remember. Since, like, the uh, late 80s, yeah. It's since the late '80s. Isn't it yep. amazing that we've been we've been angry that long? Oh, we've been around that long. Have we been angry that long? Well, there was there was a moment in my life where I was kind of angry. Yeah. So, um, can you t- tell us a little bit? Because I know you have you have some practices. You're in in Lexington, and you have another practice. Tell us a bit about your practice, Doctor Perner. Sure, sure, I will. So I work out of Newton and Lexington, and I uh, have a practice that does a lot of different work with other clinicians in terms of general work with kids and families. But I specifically have an expertise in um, adolescent anger management, and I work with a lot of kids and families in helping them with anger management issues. And many of the patients that I work with tend to have uh, learning challenges that impact their anger levels. So one of the major areas that I work on with many of the kids and families that come in to see me is helping support them within their school systems and their classrooms and coordinating with their teams at their schools to help understand how they might have some specific learning challenges that are impacting their ability to uh, you know, function in schools. And many times kids will come home and they'll be very angry from a school day because they don't have the right academic program. And I will come in and help support them and figure out, um, you know, what the, what the right program is. So when they come home, they're not kind of 
uh, getting angry with mom and dad and siblings at home, which is very commonly the case. So um, many times, uh, most of the time, many of the cases that we work with, when we figure out the right recipe for what they need in school, we start to find that they, um, they start having fewer anger issues. And schools obviously provide kids with so much support because they're there for like typically 30 hours a week that what I do typically is really minor compared to what school systems and teachers and educators can do in a school environment. So we really find that they, um, when they have the right you know, process, they do well. Frequently with a lot of the kids, they need what's called an um, individualized education plan. And that's a special education plan that's available through their schools. And we'll kind of help work with people who test kids and evaluate them. These are like psychologists who are neuropsychologists who specialize in evaluating kids with these issues. And then we will um, work with the team at the school to take the testing information and put together basically a plan that makes sense for kids. And um, and a lot of families struggle with the fact that they frequently will get testing, but they won't understand how to interpret that testing or integrate it into what goes on in the school. So our job, we see it as really helping support those families take that information and, and make it work for the kids. So, And we also, in addition to doing that, we work with kids in group settings. So we have a variety of different groups for kids at different ages with different needs. We have an elementary school group for kids with anger issues. We have a middle school group. Uh, we have a, kid, a group for kids who have social skill issues and have more autistic spectrum issues who have anger problems, which is a population that frequently struggles with anger. And then we also have the um, uh, like a couple of different high school groups and then a college transition group for kids who are having difficulties with uh, the college transition. And most of those kids have been treated in a, a younger group where they've already dealt with their anger, and now they're still trying to work on their learning issues and integrating that onto a into a college environment. And we're really excited that we, we have that programming that we offer because it's a sign of how much progress so many of these kids have made during the course of their treatment that they move on and they're very successful in these next stages of their lives, both in a work environment and a college environment. Yeah, you so know, well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but one of, one of the things, and I, I just wonder whether this is your experience as well, what, what I found is that kids who have IEPs, and, and there may be many kids out there listening, there may be adults who had IEPs, there may be parents of those kids, but, but what I found is that a lot of kids on IEPs think there's something wrong with them, and, and that they begin to develop sort of this, this low self-esteem and this sense that, that they are broken, uh, and I think that that results in anger. Has that been your experience? Do you think kids start feeling less about themselves if they're on an IEP? Totally. It's a major issue that we deal with with kids. And frequently the biggest problem is if they're on an IEP and they're not making progress, they really get angry because they feel like they're stigmatized with being on an IEP. And then also they feel like they're really not, it's not helping them at all. Um, a lot of the kids that we work with require schools like there's a school in Lincoln called the Carroll School, which is a school for kids who have dyslexia, difficulties with reading, and, uh, and language-based learning issues. And when we work with kids in, in that school, one of the things I think they do an excellent job of is teaching kids how to have self-esteem around their learning challenges so they don't feel so bad about them. And they really develop a curriculum that teaches them about other people who have had dyslexia, 
how they can manage their dyslexia in a healthy way, how they can be back in a regular school environment and be productive once they learn to read in a different way. Mm. And I, I totally agree with you. And, and frequently, and it's ironic, I, I had a, a, a young man I worked with years ago from that school who was very upset while he was there because he, he still felt like he shouldn't be there and he had learning issues. And he was just really tough to work with, and it was hard for his family and his siblings and his family. And it was really touching for me. A year after he left the school, he asked his parents. He had gone on to another boarding school. His parents um, said he called and he said to them when he was coming home, he wanted to meet with me. And I was like, okay, I'm happy to meet with him. I thought he was going to you know, kind of go up one side of me and down the other, telling me how upset he was still. But he came back and he said to me, you know, Dr. Pern, I really want to thank you for being able to like work with me when I was so upset and angry and I treated you so poorly. And you really helped me through this such a difficult point in my life. And I just want to thank you for sticking with me through that. And those are the types of situations that just build, for me, the, the ability to kind of sustain really tough treatments with kids with anger issues because, in my opinion, like I see kids get to the other side of it. So mm. I don't feel bad when they're being angry or frustrated. And if anybody sat with me through the various groups like I did this past week with my psychology interns and my social work interns, they would say, oh, my gosh, what was going on there? Because it was pretty chaotic and overwhelming and whatnot. But, and it's tough sometimes. But when you see the outcomes kids can have and families can have, it just, it's easy to kind of stick with them through the process. Yeah. So, I yes, you're right. Yeah, your, so your point is you're right, Joe. The, yeah. um the, the, the kids really do the time struggle with self-esteem, and it's really hard for them. Yeah, what, what, what Mark, Dr. Perna, I mean, that must be very rewarding uh, work that you have when you see people come out on the other side. I, I have a question. Obviously, every kid is going to be different. Every, every one of your patients will be different. But are there some standard exercises that you use right out of the gate that would uh, help diffuse some of the initial anger that these, these kids are presenting? Sure, sure. Um, one thing which is really important is to just do some basic uh, relaxation techniques with them, and that's kind of like, like deep medita- breathing. Meditation. More like meditation. Mindfulness. Exactly. Mindfulness. Um, figuring out, like, different ways that are kind of specific to them that help support their ability to kind of settle themselves down and feel like they can regulate better. Do they resist that-, that in the, in the uh, immediacy? Well, it's very hard to do that kind of work with kids in a group setting because a lot, especially boys in that age range, have a really hard time paying attention to their body and doing stuff like breathing and everything like that, But um, which is why you don't find probably that many adolescent boys in a lot of the yoga groups you know, right. you know that are out there in the community. But they, um, there are kids who really, they, they'll, they will take in information. I've had kids come back to me and say, you know, that deep breathing stuff was the best thing I did, and I I didn't realize it at the time, but it really helped me get through a lot of tough situations. Uh, One of the things I would say, though, there's other uh, techniques that some professionals use that are more old-fashioned techniques that I don't suggest at all. And one example of a technique like that is punching a pillow. Yeah, Um, absolutely agree. And the reason, I know, Joe, we used to talk about this when we worked together at McLean. It's, right. it's The reason why it's not productive is that if it, it's teaching somebody to punch when they're angry, right. it's the worst strategy you can have. So I have, I have kids that I work with who box, 
and they're incredibly talented boxers. And when I when they box, they'll I'll just say to them, you know, when you're hitting a punching bag or a speed bag or whatever you're working on, just make sure that when you're doing it, um, you're not thinking of punching a person or that you're not angry. You're just working out and getting a good workout. It's one of the best workouts kids could get. Sure. And we we actually really endorse exercise as just general exercise as a great way to kind of help kids manage their mood. And um, and typically what we, I suggest for kids that I see, it's really helpful for them to do um, at least um, 30 minutes of exercise three to four times a week, if not more, where they can be working out their major muscles like their quadriceps, so like running or um, some type of like doing a Stairmaster or um, uh, like a rowing machine that really works on those um, large muscle groups. And uh, if they do like a more organized sport, like wrestling or football or soccer or cheerleading or anything like that, that helps them just exercise a lot. Any of those sports are really good just to get a good workout and for them to be um, just really take their stress level down, which is really helpful. And, and we, Mark and I did a, uh, a radio show on, on football. Yep. And we were talking really about something similar about this channeling of the aggression the channeling of the aggression yeah so one of the techniques that that i developed which is a really silly one i just want to warn you so in an acute phase on a let's say an inpatient unit or in an office setting or someplace anywhere really where, where a kid is really angry if i can get their attention i will ask them to take a tissue a kleenex and just tear off a corner of it not roll it up just tear off a corner and then throw it as hard as they can. The corner? Just the corner of the Kleenex. Now, have you ever tried to do this? No. So you know what will happen? Nothing. They'll, exactly. They'll <laughs> throw it really hard, and this little piece of tissue will just start fluttering in the air. Got it. Just fluttering. And they, what is that? So try it again. Try, and they take, and they throw it, and it just flutters in the air. And after, after two or three times, they go, this is just so silly. And then we actually talk about impotent rage. Yeah, we talk about so how, that doesn't make them more angry. No, no, it's never made a kid more angry. Interesting, they, and I guess maybe it's a pre presentation because I'm pretty silly right. guy. But it's that idea that it's not anger; it's what you do with it right. that can get you in trouble or not. And what these kids begin learning is that they actually can feel this anger, and instead of doing something s silly that's just going to get them in trouble, they can do what you're talking about, Doctor Perno. They can do something productive. They can use it, you know, in, in psychiatry we call it sublimation, where you take right. these very difficult feelings and you make something productive out of it. And why not? Some of the most important social changes in the world have come about because of anger. Think about it. Think about it. Because anger is an emotion designed to change things. And so exactly. the civil rights exactly. movement. Exactly. It, it, it moves people, it moves people to action. I, yes. I agree with you. I, one of the examples I always give with that is the, uh, the concept of a... Uh, if a, like a mother standing on a corner and there's traffic in the street and uh, her child was to jump out into front of traffic and a bus was coming, you know, saying, oh, Johnny, please get off, come back off the street, come onto the curb, and saying, please, come on, you got to come back here is not as effective as her just reaching out, grabbing her kid, pulling them, and then, you know, pulling them to the curb and saying, what did you do? You could have hurt yourself by doing that. And most people are angry and frustrated, but it moves a parent to action, mm -hmm. um, not to hurt their kid, but to save them from, from being harmed. So 
if you if you do channel your anger in a productive way, you really can have you could be incredibly successful. And my and typically my experience with athletes, because I actually do deal with a lot of athletes in my practice, is that the ones that are channeling their anger in a productive way are doing really well athletically, and the ones who are not figuring out how to do that really struggle. And that's one of the skills that athletes really um, have a difficult time with. And I experienced that as a coach myself when I was working with a lot of kids when my, my own children were younger, is just seeing how a lot of kids struggle with anger and anger difficulties. And I don't know, maybe I was given a lot of the kids who were angry as a coach because they knew I was an anger management guy. <laughs> but I, but I, you really do see a lot of kids have a difficult time. And frequently what happens is that people's expectations are not in sync with their skill set. So the two ways to work with kids in sports or in even a school setting or any setting is to say, well, you can do two things. You could increase their skills or you can lower some of the expectations so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And in, in the model that I work with, with, that I've developed, which I used at the hospital, Joe, when you were there and we used in the um, inpatient units and everything with uh, the acute residential treatment program at McLean, was uh, it's called the four choice model of anger management, and the first thing on in that model that you start with is a um, our expectations. Like, what are your expectations? And frequently, if you start with dealing with expectations, you start to have a major impact on people's ability to change their experience of anger. If you work with uh, the the actual behaviors that occur and you're just stuck in that area, which is, you know, important to deal with. You want to decrease the behaviors, but the best way to decrease them is to change the expectations. And I know, Joe, in the book that you wrote, you really talk about respect as a critical component to uh, helping people work with anger, that that's critical. And I, I totally agree. It is. So, uh, Dr. Perna, the first step is changing expectations. you got three other steps in this. Do you want to... Just sort of comment on those real quick and tell us about them. Sure, sure, sure. The the so the first step is basically, um, it, it actually the first step is in this four step. The the first level is looking at expectations. But the um, when you're looking at the first step, it's whether people choose to express their anger or hold it in. And if mm. they hold it in, we say they keep it in the stuff it loop. Mm. And the stuff it loop is basically um, not typically the way people think of stuffing um, emotions. A lot of folks will think, well, if you're drinking alcohol, that's a way to stuff emotions. Or if you're, like, hurting yourself and doing, um, you know, self-harm to yourself, like delicate cutting, they call, or um, that type of um, uh, behavior to manage your stress level, that's stuffing it. But in the model that I use, basically stuffing it is keeping things on the level of a thought or a feeling. And um, so in that stuff of loop, we have things like people will tend to kind of ruminate on things and think about Stew. things again and again, which is a very common dynamic with people with anger. Or sometimes people will get depressed, they'll sometimes um, become very lonely and not interact with other people. And there's, so there's you know, many different ways. Sometimes they develop really um, uh, active retribution fantasies, which, again, it's a thought where they're thinking about it again and again. That's revenge, and, uh, right? Right, revenge exactly. Fantasy. Having revenge fantasies, exactly. The, and then the, so that first choice is whether they the direction do they keep it in and start to continue to stuff it or do they express it if they express it if they get to that level they can express it and the second choice is do they express it in a healthy or an unhealthy way right. so 
and we don't use the words um, positive and negative way. We don't right. use the because we're really looking at. Um, uh, I, I, my background is having done a lot of work in the court system and with prisoners in the prison setting in the past and juvenile justice setting, but we're really saying it's not healthy for the individual to to deal with their anger in a, in a, you know in a, in a maladaptive way. So it's really in a lot of court systems, it's like, well, it's not healthy when you hurt other people, which we I agree about, I agree to, but I but I think that what we're really looking at is it's um, really not healthy for the individual. And the first studies I really looked at anger from a mental health perspective were done at the Duke Medical Center down in, um, I think it's in South Carolina? North, North, North Carolina. North, Car- North Carolina, yeah. And they, um, and they were looking at a lot of men who had major heart problems because they were so angry and they would constantly get all tense and frustrated and their their uh, blood yeah their they stuff their their blood vessels would get really you know constricted and their blood pressure would go up and they'd have heart attacks as a result but some of them were pretty healthy men on the surface in good shape but when you have all of that reactivity and and uh, you know um, and your blood pressure goes up it really can have an impact on your body so we used healthy and unhealthy as the the two options if, if you do choose to express it and then once you express it in either a healthy or an unhealthy way, you can choose your focus, which can be others, objects, or yourself. And um, and then the last option is, do you do it in a verbal or nonverbal way? So the model that I've developed that we used at the hospital, I use with all the kids in the group work that I do, it all kind of lays out on one piece of paper, and it's a very visual model, so it's, it's not the easiest to describe to you on the phone. Mm-hmm. But the reason why we do that is a lot of the kids that we do work with have learning challenges, right. and if you do something that's way too verbal, it's really hard for them to understand how to follow it. So we kind of can put a piece of paper in front of them and say, we want you to learn this. I'm like, oh, I can learn that. And then it's like, okay, you learned everything you need to know about what I want to teach you about anger. Now you have to use it and practice it. Right. And then that's where we move towards practicing on a regular basis, like understanding the choices, what choices have they made. One of the key things in the model is we use the word choice. A lot of people who have anger problems don't think of it as a choice. They say, I had to do that. You know, I saw red and then I didn't know what happened. And and when I work with them, I'm really clear that, you know, you have you made a choice to do what you did. So when we start off, we always say, what was your expectation or thought? How did that impact your feeling of being angry? What did you do for your first, second, and third, and fourth choice? And where are you on that whole grid of anger management to figure out, um, <clears throat> you know, what you could have done? Are you on the healthy or on the healthy side? If it's unhealthy, what can you do differently to make it healthy in the future? So I, I what, what is an example of a healthy expression of anger? It could be well, talking to somebody, right? Going okay. out for a talking run, yeah. Go, going out for a run, okay. Um, dealing with um, some people like to bake or cook, and they, they're working with their hands, and they feel like it gets out a lot of their tension. Relaxes them. Totally, totally. And I and I think that one of the things that I've found is as a society, we frequently give people, especially men, many excuses to be angry in an unhealthy way. And it's really important. I, the model that I was talking about, I work with, with kids in elementary school, even like um, uh, first and second grade, and they understand it and they can use it as we help them develop the verbal skills to understand how to kind of manage 
their experience. So frequently when people are angry, they feel the anger and it comes out in a physical way, but we need to teach them how to kind of talk about it and kind of look at it from a third-person perspective. And kids can do that. And that's why Merce said I, I do so much work with kids in schools and learning. That's one of the things we teach kids is how to, you know, use language to talk about it. And when you do that, and that's with adolescents and, and young adults and adults as well, they can make tremendous progress with their ability to, to manage their anger in a healthier ways. And, and one of the things is we as treaters need to set really reasonable expectations. So that's the second thing you brought up, which I thought was really important, that when I go into school systems frequently or other, I work with treatment teams with a bunch of other folks who work with kids, I'll basically recalibrate their expectations for what that kid should be doing. And when the team recalibrates in a reasonable way, remember we said they can decrease their expectations a bit while they're increasing the kids' skills, they, the kids will feel okay and they'll feel better. And like, oh, I can do this. And we'll say, well, you know, this week maybe you, you, know, you lost it with your parents last week five times. Did you lose it three times this week? And you're like, yeah, so, well, that's great improvement. Right. That's huge from where you were. So you can't expect them to do it all in one week. And, you know, you need to give them a, a, a process that really works and kind of a pathway that they can walk. And most kids, when they start walking that pathway, they start to feel fantastic because it's like they feel like their head's above the water, where they've had their head under the water for years. Right. Um, a lot of people who have anger issues have health issues that impact their level of frustration. So if somebody does have diabetes and have fluctuations in their in their sugar levels or they have mm-hmm. a, um, a, a stomach issue where they've had some intestinal tract problems they they really you find a lot of those folks can be more irritable because it's just when we don't feel good we are more irritable one of our drugstore theater kids yeah. actually said this um in, in a talk back he said you know i'm not brain dead right i'm just a little immature and and that really is different because I I have a lot of faith that kids actually can begin to wonder about themselves. They've developed the ability to realize that they have feelings, they have thoughts, and that other people have thoughts mm-hmm. and feelings as well. And so I think that that young adults, adolescents, younger kids have that capacity if we then build on it remind them of it, actually point it out to them, you know. And they do. I, th- I agree with you, Joe. I think they definitely do. And I think that I, I, I agree with, with our caller in that saying that that's a, it's a developmental skill that as we get older, we have a better ability to separate from ourselves and look at ourselves from a third-person perspective. And the ability to do that, and that's what you're talking about with kind of the Buddhist approach, is, is really critical because we can, and when we look at ourselves from a third-person perspective, we can say, wow, why did I do that? Boy, I was a real jerk when I was, you know, there yesterday. And one of the skills that you really want to work on with kids is if you can get them to talk about that after the fact, um, it might be sometimes with me it's a week later that they can talk about, wow, I was really a jerk in that situation. I should have made a different choice. And it's great that they can talk about it. Then we'll try to say, well, can you do it, you know, a day later? And then can you do it an hour later and a minute later? Oh, wow. And at one point it becomes they do it before they take the action, and then they don't have to feel bad about it because they make a choice beforehand. Yeah. So that's part okay. of that, that self, self-process of awareness is that really helps you. That's a critical skill in moving ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So uh, I just want to thank Brian. Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. And, and Dr. Perner, you, you're, 
you're still on the line, right? So, yeah, I am. Yes. So I, I wanted to to ask just a couple of things. We just have a few minutes left here. Um, one of the things that that I have also I think learnt over time is this really simple truth, and I just want your thoughts on it. When is the last time you got angry at someone you really believed was treating you with respect? Can't do it. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can do it because anger is an emotion designed to change things. Right. And being respected feels great. So why unless, would we want to change that? Unless the adolescent feels it's yeah. in, you're in being Try. annoying. No, no, but then, I, but, right? then but wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. My, if the adolescent feels you're being annoying, then they don't feel you're being respectful. Right. As soon as they... As, Respect, you can't get, I, I just don't think. What do you think about that, Dr. Perna? I agree with you 100%. I can't tell you. I mean, I because you, you know a lot of the kids that I work with, they require sometimes hospitalizations, placements in residential programs, and all these other types of uh, supports that sometimes are really upsetting for them. And frequently, when they see that you do it out of caring for them, like if I have a kid go to the hospital, I'll go to the hospital and visit them and arrive there. When they see that you're not angry with them, you're not frustrated, you're not doing it just to kind of railroad them away and say, I don't want to deal with you, and they know that you really care they really respond and they're like you know i know you did it because you care about me i don't want to be here but um what do you think i need to do to get out and to deal with this and then they'll really have a, a good conversation about what they need to do so i i just i think that's and i know joe you know that that's what you do is uh you know the work in an inpatient units and you get all of that um and i but i just think that's a that's a tough process for kids at times and it's something that um uh, if they know that you care about them and you respect them, they really, and that they're learning and you respect their right to learn, they, you can do a lot of things that would be, we think would really upset them that doesn't end up upsetting them and they really start to make progress and move ahead. Right, and, and for our listening audience, I, I really, you know, I want you to think about this for a moment because, you know, Dr. Pern is right. We're talking a bit about kids, but most of the people I think listening are adults. And I want you to just think about this for a moment. It's not always your anger that gets in the way of success. It's very often somebody else's anger that gets in the way of your success because they want you to change. And if you can really utilize this tool, you use the I am approach, which folks who have been listening to my radio show know about, people doing the best they can, even if they're angry with you, you step back, you wonder, okay, the best they can do is be angry with me, but I'm going to treat them with respect. It's going to diffuse their anger. It's one of it's it's the the fundamental truth I think is that one way it's not just managing your anger, it's how do you manage somebody else's trade thanks you trade thanks that's communicate right communicate clearly communicate clearly you're you're going through my seven steps but backwards I am I am so uh, Dr. Perna we, we we just got about Project thirty please. seconds left Dr. Perna I want to thank you so much for being Great here tonight call. really appreciate it and folks. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks to everyone, yes. and thanks in the booth. And, and thank, thank you, you both. I appreciate you listeners. having me. It was a pleasure. Okay, good night. Good night, folks. Cut up his ears.